you're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Here's the question of the podcast. This is the title of the episode. This is episode 186 called One Reason Teens Are Leaving the Church. I think everybody is in agreement today that when most of our teens turn 18 or right in that area, they leave the church and don't turn back. This is a pandemic problem across the board that affects all churches, and many of us are scratching our heads about why that is the case, and we're definitely troubled by it, and it is something that we need to talk about. I do not have a, compre- a comprehensive answer as for why our teens are leaving the church, but I do have one I have one answer, I have one response, and again, it's not the total response, but it is definitely on the table, and it is something that we need to talk about, and so I'm going to talk about it in this podcast here. If you want to read my show notes, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for episode 186 under the Life Over Coffee podcast. The title of it is, One Reason Teens Are Leaving the Church. If you want to talk to me about this podcast, I would love for you to do that. You can go to our website. We have free community forums where anybody in the world who has access to the Internet can ask their questions, get your free username, free password, log in freely and ask your question. We can talk about this or anything else that you wish. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, thank you so much for your support. I want you to go to our private forum. That's just for our supporting community, and you can ask your question there. Please read these show notes. I also have some links here that you can read, uh, some recommendations, helpful resources I'll talk about in just a moment. But I want you to know that those links are here as well. So again, episode 186, one reason, and I do want to make sure that is clear, There are many reasons, but I'm only going to address one. One reason teens are leaving the church. I also want to give a a little shout out to my friend Cademan. Yesterday, I riffed on him for about 30 minutes. Uh, We talked about this idea here, and he was patient and kind enough to listen to me. We were at a youth meeting, a youth rally, and I was sharing with him some of these ideas, kind of working it out in my own head, and I told him that, I was going to put this in a podcast uh, today and send it out to everyone. So, Cademan, thank you for your patient listening to me, monologuing mostly with you as I was working this out in my own mind. I hope that you enjoy this podcast, and I hope it's beneficial to you as well. Episode 186, One Reason Teens are leaving the church. I want to go back in time to a a year, 1984, and that was the year that God regenerated me. I was not part of a local church at the time, was not a part of the church culture. I have never been a part of the church culture. Uh, There was a brief time where my parents made me attend a local church, but by the time I was 12 years old or Uh, right in there. That day was over, and so I didn't know anything about church culture, never was a part of it. But back in 84, we had this saying, I don't think it was shared broadly, but it was a concept that everybody understood. It's called Three to Thrive. 
I asked Cademan what three to thrive meant, and he did not know, which I anticipated because most teams would not know this concept. But what three to thrive means is that you attend a church meeting three times a week in order to thrive. And so we went to our corporate meetings back then, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. The idea, and it's right, by the way, I, I, regardless of how many meetings that you attend or ha- how many you have, if you have one a week corporate meeting, two or three, the Bible does not mandate that. But the idea that we have drifted away from that Three to Thrive did communicate is that the local church was the center of our social lives. The local church, it's it's like if you drive through Salt Lake City, Utah, just going down the interstate, uh, you'll see these white uh, steepled church buildings. Now, those are Mormon church buildings, and I understand that. But it's just so striking when you go there because what you see is that the center of these little communities are these white steepled churches, and they're everywhere. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's apparent. Now, of course, within the Christian community, Mormons aren't Christians, but within the Christian community, conceptually, that was the idea. It has always been the idea up until the last uh, 10 or 15 years when things began to change. But the the local church, you can pin it on a social map that it was the epicenter of our social community. And one of the ways that we did that is by going to the church facility, the church building, three to thrive, three times a week. We went there for many other reasons as well, but the church community, the body of Christ, that was the center of our social lives. Today, it's no longer the case. There are many ways for a teenager to socialize today, and the church is losing its primacy. I would say it's lost its primacy with most of our young lives. The ultimate reason A person will not associate with the local church is a lack of regeneration. I want to put that out there immediately at the top of the podcast at the beginning because ultimately if a person has no affection for the local church and is is not gravitating toward the body of Christ, it's a sign of a lack of salvation because the Bible is very clear on this matter that we do love the body. We love each other. We want to associate with each other because we are not our own. We are empowered, and the, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit draws us to like kind. And if a teenager or anybody else, for that matter, is not drawn to the body of Christ as they gather locally, wherever that may be, it could be a sign of a lack of regeneration, the person is not born again. And so I do want to put that out there because as I as I share these ideas with you, I don't want you to become human-centered where, well, if I do this, and maybe this will change my teenager's life. You, you see, it's, it's vital that you understand that salvation is the critical condition for being part of the local church because too many parents become legalists. And what I mean by that, they reflect, they look backward, they look through the rearview mirror at all the things that they should have done differently, which they believe may have kept their children in the church. And you need to understand, you don't want to be legalistic about that. It's not your works 
that will keep any person in the local church. It is the grace of God. The accent mark always goes on God's responsibility, His sovereignty, His grace, His power, not your works. Now, maybe there are a few things that you should have done differently. I mean, every parent can look in the rearview mirror and say, that well, I did that wrong and that wrong and the other thing wrong. Because none of us parent perfectly, that is an impossibility, but you don't want to fall into the trap of legalism by thinking it's your bad works that caused your child to walk away from the church. No, your child walked away from the church if he or she did because that is the choice that they made. It's not on you. And so not only do you want to keep from condemning yourself, you also it is not accurate if your child condemned you, maybe because of your hypocrisy. I mean, I said that too as a teenager. I saw the hypocrites within my community, within my parents who attended church on occasion, and my thought was, if that's, if that's Christianity, I don't want any part of it. But if I persist by going down that track, I am misguided because my real choice, I have a choice. I can attend or not attend and I can't excuse my a lack of attendance on someone else. And maybe you have been a bad parent. One of the best things that you can do is go to your child and say that I have been a bad, bad parent and I have made some mistakes. And I pray that you would find it in your heart to forgive me. And I'm going to try to do better. And then you can be free from any potential traps of legalism. And so I want to lead with that. Ultimately, it's a lack of regeneration that will uh, keep anyone away from the church. And also, you want to guard yourself from legalism. But in this podcast, I'm going to address one practical reason teens, and also, by the way, adults, you can make universal application here. Even though I'm talking about teenagers, you can apply it to anyone, but one reason teens are leaving the church and here it is that reason is social media that is a big huge reason that kids are leaving the church on june the 29th 2007 steve jobs changed how the world related to each other when he gave us the iphone and though our culture had been migrating to cyberspace before this event there was myspace and Facebook and other social media platforms that were that predated the iPhone. We were, the migration was already on. We were already pointed towards cyberspace, and many of us were already there on chat lines and other services. Even back in the nineties, the iPhone was like a rocket booster that sped up the process. The iPhone is not so much a phone as it is a toy handheld computer with the emphasis on toy. I mean, very few teenagers use the phone for a phone. In fact, if you were to measure the amount of time that they spend on their phone, it's not talking in a traditional phone sense, but it's doing all these other social things. Because there are no lines of separation between the secular and sacred communities, Christian temptations are just as accessible as the non-Christian. The effect of the mobile phone and its apps and social media platforms has given us a 
a so-called safer, risk-free, and immediately accessible culture in cyberspace that is more entertaining and less friction than real-life relationships. I mean, the temptation is strong, and there have been many, several addictive studies that have proven this point with the rise of dopamine, the increase of dopamine in a person from the specific use of their mobile device. But the one of the devastating results of what, and I'm not putting this on Steve Jobs, uh, in his lap, per se. If it wasn't him, it would be someone else. And the truth is, we want this thing. We want these devices. We want our technology. And so it would be misguided to blame him. It Again, like leaving the church is our choice. Using a mobile device in the ways that we use it is our choice as well. But the result is that the local church is no longer the epicenter of the Christian social life or the teenager's social life, whether they are a Christian or not. Even when you go to youth meetings, as we were in a youth rally last night, and you could see so many teenagers sitting in the building looking at their mobile devices. You see this with adults at restaurants and any other context. It's like a, it's not even a third hand anymore. It is a part of our hand, and it's become a part of who we are as human beings. We have immediate connectivity to uh, social context, wherever those social contexts may be. And this idea of the local church being the center, the epicenter of our social life, that day is, is history. The church is merely one of many options from which a person can choose. Without question, the church has moved from the center to the periphery with a buffet of choices for the Christian teen to pick, to choose from. Now, though these things are real, here's one of the sad ironies about all of this. We won't be able to measure the full effect of what we are doing to ourselves for another 25 or more years you see, the way that you measure the full effect of, of anything that happens in our culture is after that thing passes and then we look back on it, uh, whether it's something small like a, a, a fidget spinner, for example, or back in my day, we had what they called clackers. It was two balls on a string that uh, after, after that fad passed off the scene and we reflected back on it we realized that those things can be weaponized and they were they were very dangerous it was many years after cigarettes were brought into the market that we began to have the ability to study it more comprehensively until finally the Surgeon General, the government, came to the place of putting warning signs on cigarettes. But up until the 60s and early 70s, that was unheard of. I mean, we knew that it was a problem, but we didn't have enough history under our belt to study it fully. And so in the early 70s, they stopped putting cigarette commercials on television. They put the warning stamp on cigarette packs. And, and now we, we are able to study it because we're so far removed from the introduction of it. Well, we've only been introduced 
to social media in the last 10 years. And so it's really impossible to measure the full effect of what we are doing to ourselves. The best studies always look back on a situation and, and analyze it, analyze what happened from many angles and many perspectives, which we just don't have at this point. But we will see in a generation or two what has happened to us. Though we should have enough intuitive awareness to know that social media is, is more important to the average teenager than the church community, now, I do have some helpful resources in this episode. This is episode 186, titled, One Reason Teens Are Leaving the Church. And I, I cannot make a stronger appeal for you to study, to, to get these resources. Now, one of them is, is a book or an audio book. You can read it or listen to it. It's called The Cyber Effect. A pioneering cyberpsychologist explains how human behavior changes online. I have listened to this book somewhere between 12 and 15 times. As I told uh, a pastor last week, it, it, it is, it is a, a, a dis depressing, maybe that's what I said, it is a depressing page turner, meaning you can't put it down, you can't stop reading it or you can't stop listening to it because it is that good as this cyber psychologist takes the cyber effect of social media and phones. From the earliest stages at the birth of a baby, she studies all the way up to old age, and she goes through these different ages of our lives, studying the effect on each age. And I, I really, I, I hope that you'll click on this link here and you get the book and you can read it or you can listen to it. And then I have two podcasts that I want you to listen to as well. One of them is called Our Children and the Dangers of Social Media. It's linked here. The second one is called Smartphones Are Super Duper Bad for Kids. I want you to listen to that as well. I would encourage you to listen to both of these podcasts uh, as a family, and that you have this discussion. Some of the things that I'm going to share in the remainder of this podcast are taken from these resources here. These are not these are not mine uh, per se, uh, but these are things that that I have uh, dug out from these resources that I want to share with you. And so I, I want to finish this podcast uh, by talking about a couple things. One of those things is 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 when should your child have a phone. That's the overarching idea. And then inside of that, I want to first I'm going to talk about what is a teenager and then after I talk about what is a teenager, I want to talk about uh, when is your child? When is a good time for your child to have a phone? But before you can answer when is your child uh, mature enough to have a phone, you really need to understand. You need to understand what a teenager uh, what what a teenager is. And so here's some thoughts that I just want to put out there. And, and here's a question for you. I mean, this is trying to understand a teenager. Perhaps you should go back to the time that you were 13 years old. Put yourself in your 13-year-old body again. Put yourself in the average 13-year-old body again. And you remember this is just a transitional time. It's a huge, world-shaking transitional time for a young person, whether it's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years of age, this is when the tectonic plates of their lives are shifting from childhood to adulthood and, and the pressures of all that. 
And maybe it would be wise for you to think about what, what it was like for you during that time and what it's like for the average teen. And with that, let me ask you this question. Is your child ready for 24-7 access to peer culture? Is your child in this transitional time the, the most difficult and challenging transitional time of their entire lives? For all sorts of reasons, part of it is because of lack of maturity. They're actually going into a, an era, adulthood, that they have no awareness of. They, have no, they don't have the ability to get there safely without your guidance. And do you want to expose them to 24-7 peer culture? Now, what I mean by that is, is that in the old days, it only mattered what a half a dozen folks thought about us. Think about it. You know, if you're my age... Really, all you had is a handful of people at your school, and maybe there were three or four or five, if that many, that you were concerned about what they thought of you. That's not the way it is for today's teenager. By giving them a mobile device, they have 24-7 access to pure culture. Did, did these random strangers like my Instagram uh, post who is this person who is bullying me on online? Look at that person online, and I don't look like them, or I don't have what they have, or I didn't get invited to the party, or, or whatever it is. There are many, many different ways to slice this, but what it all means is, is that the child, it's not just what the two, three, four, five people think of me. It's what literally thousands of people think of me, and it's 24-7 access to pure culture. I'm answering the question here, what is a teen today? Another way that you can ask this question, is your child ready for one of the most addictive things ever created? Now, if you want to test this question here, then I, I would appeal to you to do this. The next time you see your child, you can test this theory by taking your child's phone away for a week. Will they say, will they express gratitude for you taking the phone away from them? Will they have a neutral response for taking the phone away from them? Is your child ready for one of the most addictive things ever created? If you take it away from them and you measure their response by taking it away from them, you will know how addictive it is. Did you also know that many teens admit that social media is a numbing mechanism when they want to escape from life? By the way, many adults do this as well. What do you think Facebook is for? <laughs> Facebook is primarily an escape for adults who are discontented or have miserable lives. Do you think teenagers are any different when they are under peer pressure and, and all the, the pressures that come upon them because of whatever is going on in their lives, they have a portal into cyberspace that allows them to escape the reality. The phone or the mobile device is a numbing mechanism. The new therapist for the teenager today is the mobile phone that is their admission. As you begin to talk to teens, you will see that that is one of the things that they are doing. 
Also, many teens admit that they learn about cultural and political issues from their mobile devices. Not only is their mobile device the new therapist of this age, but the mobile device is also our socio-political educator. The mobile phone is educating our children in social political ideas along with being their go-to therapist as they numb themselves, as they try to escape the reality of whatever's going on in their life. You may not be surprised to learn that suicide rates among teens are increasing, which coincides the rise of the accessibility of the mobile phone. And so I'm answering the question, what is a teenager today? Here are some of the things, and this is not an exhaustive list of what I just shared with you, but some of the things that you need to think about, and you need to do this research yourself. And now I want to talk about when is the time to give your child this phone. Now, before I do that, you have to answer this question. Earlier, I said the mobile phone is is like a, a handheld toy. And in a sense, it is. But let me, let me put it this way. If you had to put the accent mark on a mobile device being a toy or a gun, where would you put the accent mark? A mobile phone is more like a gun in the hand of a teenager than a toy. There is no argument against this. This is not a toy anymore. This is a lethal weapon that can do damage to an individual. And so if you had gun on one end of the spectrum and toy on the other end of the spectrum, and then the needle was in the center line, in the dead center, would that needle move to the left toward toy, or would it move to the right toward gun? If you have any understanding of, at all of what a, a mobile device is, then you know that needle is going to move toward the right, toward a gun, and depending on the child will depend on how severe that weapon is. The second key idea before I talk about when is a good time to give a child a, a, mobile, a mobile phone is you need to understand that there is an army of people on the other side of that mobile device who understand addiction principles. And they are building their algorithms, they are tweaking their algorithms every day. And they are trying to seduce your child to use their products. I mean, there are people who are in the business of seducing your child to use their products and they understand addiction principles. Now, with that in mind, when is the best time for your child to have a mobile phone? Here are some things for you to think about. I'll, I'll just put this in statements. The best time for your child to have a mobile phone is when they can resist the temptation to porn. Two, when they can show a pattern of self-control meaning they can set it aside. Number three, when they are mature enough to resist cyberbullying. Number four, when they can pay for the phone. Number five, when they need a phone. Uh, by the way, uh, my child, when uh, our oldest, when she was in high school, she's graduating high school now, but when she was in high school and she needed a phone, she always had somebody with a phone where she could text her phone. I mean, phones are ubiquitous. 
And so when you say your child needs a phone, uh, make sure you, before you answer the question, to know that your child has virtually 24-7 accessibility to a phone. Uh, another one is when they know how to work through and overcome peer pressure and codependency, also called fear of man biblically. And then finally, when you're ready for your child to have their primary worldview shaping from the culture rather than from you. And so you decide when is your child mature enough to resist pornography? When is your child mature enough to have a pattern of self-control? When is your child mature enough to resist cyberbullying? When can they pay for the phone? When do they need a phone? When they know how to work through and overcome peer pressure and codependency. And finally, when you're ready for your child to have their primary worldview shaping from the culture rather than you. This is episode 186, One Reason Teens Are Leaving the Church. Social media, mobile devices, the epicenter of our social life has used to be the local church, but it has shifted. The local church is on the periphery, and it's one of many choices. The question is now, as I wrap this up, what can parents do? I have two things for you. If you take away all their dopamine addiction meaning if you take away their mobile device, they will go through immediate and possibly tragic withdrawals. And so you just don't amputate their phones from them, but you replaced, replace their phones. You replace their cyber, cyber social connection with time with you. You create a relational environment in your home that's more compelling than them isolating themselves with their phones. And then the second thing is that you work on yourself first because you more than likely have a problem too. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.